welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Brian Burnaman is a world-renowned well-being leader, an expert in conscious living. He has a background in neuroscience and more than 15 years of experience in teaching and practicing yoga, meditation, mindfulness, and other healing modalities. Brian is able to synthesize modern scientific knowledge with ancient wisdom to help his clients get the results that they are seeking. He has taught hundreds of workshops all around the world and has empowered people from all walks of life to realize their full potential and enable them to live a stress-free and meaningful life. Brian is the co-founder of Conscious Action, a movement of people committed to living more intentionally, and is the host of the podcast with that same name. He also founded You Being You, offering practical and lifelong well-being pathways for heart-connected and conscious living. Brian, it's such an honor to welcome you to Boundless Body Radio. Thank you so much, Casey, for having me. and so, so blessed to be able to, to be having this conversation with you. Absolutely. We're totally honored. We would love to hear your personal story, but we're going to jump way ahead. <laughs> um, Bethany, my wife, loves basketball, and I live just outside of Salt Lake City in Utah. So for sure, I love basketball. We are so diehard jazz fans <laughs> um, here in the state. But Bethany didn't grow up here, and her favorite team was Miami Heat, and especially like in the heyday. And I understand you were associated with my, the Miami Heat when they were winning championships. Is that correct? Yes, I I was blessed enough to be able to as well grow up loving basketball and and to in 2011 to be in Miami working for ESPN Radio and I was doing the production of the of the games so I was doing it for the part of the Spanish broadcasting of the games which meant I was there every single game um I was there in the locker rooms with LeBron James, with Dwayne Wade, with Chris Bosh and the entire team. And it was such a weird time because I never imagined that I would be doing something like that. Um, and it was for the city of Miami at that time. It was such an amazing period. There was so much excitement and, of course, then winning the championships and, and everything But. It was it was a really really wonderful experience to be able to to be part of that and to in a sense fulfill you know even though I wasn't playing being part of the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely amazing. My dad um, covers sports here locally as well, and he he tries to explain that like it, it, sports are a little bit different when they're your job. It's it's kind of you know it's it's not like you're going to the game to to watch and enjoy yourself and have fun, but still like come on, that's pretty enjoyable. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Like, I mean, I know from my experience, I loved it. Yes, I was doing my work. I had to make sure that I was interviewing, I was paying attention, I was keeping like you know an eye on the things that would be interesting for the broadcast, but I was enjoying it. That's awesome. So Bethany had two questions for you. She wanted to know who was your favorite out of the big three, and she also wanted to know how they all got along day to day. Um, good question. So I, I will start with the second one, which I could say I'm not sure. What I would see is really like the professional part, them, you know, training and being outside. Uh, the parts that we were allowed in locker rooms, I didn't have, you know, like all all access. So I wasn't able to see that. In terms of my favorite, I, I would answer that in different ways because I think that the best of them was LeBron James, but 
I could see that people there were in love with Dwayne Wade. Like he was the heart of that team. And, uh, and I think that Chris Bosch was actually the best player for that team because he was able to, to put his, his legacy a little bit aside and to allow himself to be that third player. So I think that between the three of them, it's hard to choose. I think that because um, I have a soft spot for team players, I think that I would go with Chris Bosch, actually. Mm, that's so interesting. I heard a podcast with him recently and he's definitely been on quite the journey and has kind of found some consciousness and he's, I, I believe he has a stoicism practice and he, he wrote a tremendous book and yeah, he, he is a very interesting, um, person and somebody that hasn't really stopped, um, trying to help out after his basketball career. So yeah, that's great. What a great answer. Well, um, you know, the podcast is about a little bit more than basketball, so I guess I'll <laughs> leave that time in Miami. And let's let's learn a little about bit about you and and growing up. I I believe you grew up in Argentina. Is that right? You know, growing up in in Argentina, and just like any other kid, I was as as just was saying now into sports, into all of the typical things. I didn't like school. Um, I had, you know, a really beautiful and wonderful family. My parents were really loving parents. My, my extended family was really loving. And my, I have three siblings, so we got along really well and we used to play a lot. So I, I had a really wonderful childhood. And, and then, and, and I think that's something that is relevant to, to, our conversation and to my life journey is that by the time that I was around 10 years old, my parents were um, starting to get much more into their own personal development and their spiritual practices. And once they started to do that, they slowly started to introduce some of those ideas and perspectives at the dinner table and with everyday life decisions. So Little by little, as a, as a kid and as a teenager, I started to get introduced to all of that. And by the time that I was around 15, 16, I was reading a lot of books around spirituality, personal development, and I was trying out different things that my parents would encourage me to try, like going to yoga, going to meditation, um, and going to uh, learn about Buddhism, so different things and of course some of them i really um, resonated with and some of them i didn't that much but that's how um, my life journey started to change and i'm so grateful that my parents introduced me to all of that at a young age even though it wasn't super super young but as comparing to most people that are discovering themselves after they are 30 40 or whatever years old um, I was able to do this at a young age and to be able to, to explore my life experience from a different lens. And once I, I got into all of that, I found the practices that really resonated and the practices that I was like, okay, this is my practice. This is what I'm going to do because for whatever reason, they just aligned with me. And, and little by little, I started to go even deeper in the Tibetan Buddhist teachings, especially Tibetan yoga and meditation. 
and, and for many years that was my my main path um as, alongside everything else of course i still you know went to university i still uh, as i was just saying went to to miami uh, and was working like on sports production like uh, broadcasting i was working in new york for the fashion week i still lived in berlin so i was doing a lot of things alongside my practice and and in 2012 i decided to to change a lot of things and to to go a little bit deeper into the practice and and that's when life really took a different turn wow Okay, so it's so interesting. There's so many people in this space. It's almost like they have to have like almost like a childhood trauma to to really shake them up and and create such such chaos that they have to deal with it later on in life and that's how they find a conscious practice. I it's just mind-blowing to think what it would be like to grow up with all these things in place. And you mentioned all those events that you got to do and all these experiences you got to have to be able to be present for all of those. Like that's incredible. What an amazing experience. Yes, and you know I'm 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 super grateful of the parents that I have and the family that I have because of that because I know, and of course, like I still have things that I need to work through from my childhood. Um, it's not that you know I'm exempt from that, but at the same time, I was able to understand much more and not to add into it. I I tell a lot of times to people, especially you know, why are you waiting until you hit rock bottom? Why waiting until something really goes wrong before we are able to? to start a, a journey of healing and self-discovery and whether we have it from the spiritual lens or not, having the opportunity to do that. Because for me, I know that was my path. My path was one that it wasn't uh, that things were super bad and then I turned into spirituality or into a practice because I needed that. For me, this was like, a, wow, there's more to life. What's that more? And let's explore it. Mm, I love that. You mentioned the Tibetan practice. I, I know, I think I know of a prayer um, where you ask essentially for an appropriate challenge so that you know it's not too much or not too little so that you have something that you're working on that you that is helping you grow i'm wondering what what are some of the challenges that you have had to overcome in your life i think that i have had a lot of challenges in my life um and at the same time i want to put them in perspective comparing to a lot of people in the world my challenges weren't as challenging um so I will start from there. Yet at the same time, whilst I was going through those challenges, for me, they were a big thing. So that's a lot of times um, something to, to keep in mind as we compare, in a sense, <laughs> what is a big challenge or not. I think that some of the challenges that I had, for me, it started one, for example, when my grandfather died. I had a really close relationship with my mother's dad. And, and he suddenly died um, when I was in my teen years and nobody was expecting it. He was super healthy. Um, and at that time, I didn't really know exactly how to deal with it. And at that time, I was um, 
I was starting to discover all of this path. So I didn't have the tools yet to allow me to deal with it. So um, that for me was a big challenge because in the moment that I remember being in the hospital and the doctor came out saying that he had passed, um, my body froze. Like I literally, I, I froze, I couldn't move. And, and so it took me a few a few years during my practice to also work work through that. And then challenges of, of being able to to grow in a sense in different ways because I wanted to be a journalist, uh, which I ended up doing that, but I was such a shy person. I didn't feel comfortable asking questions to anyone about anything. Uh, so I had to to overcome that that fear of speaking um, to people and that fear of being in front of a camera or in front of a microphone and doing public speaking, which is something that now that's mostly what I do. Um, and then I had to overcome a few times challenges like financial challenges, um, especially living in different countries and having to deal with visas. So a lot of my last 10 years of my life has been run by where I was able to stay because I was living in the US and then my visa ran out. So then I had to live the same uh, a few times here in, in New Zealand. That is where I'm living now. So I had a few challenges like that. And then because I wasn't able to, to have a visa and I didn't want to work under the table, then I was um, running out of money. So... You know, some some interesting challenges that in the moment, because of my practice, especially this last um, 10 years, I was able to, to just go with them, uh, not making them such a, a big problem and just being a circumstance of my life. What would you say would be the biggest risk that you had to take in your personal journey? Oh, um, I think the biggest risk was actually living home i was 22 and i was living at home with my parents and i had um, i was working on the radio that already for three years i just finished university a relationship of three almost four years ended and i decided you know i'm going to go i bought a one-way ticket to new york with uh, three nights in a hotel and that was the risk and that was the plan i was like i have no idea what i'm doing but i just i'm going to live um and that was the first time ever that i left home not only like you know uh, to another like apartment or anything like i left the country i left everything that i knew i had no plan um it was a huge risk but a wonderful one that has led me now in this last 11 years to to have been living in different places around the world getting to know different cultures and getting to know more of myself in a different setting it's it's just so interesting I, and i'm sure you get this too as a podcast host you ask people a question like that and their scariest moments end up being the most refining moments of their lives and and some of the most important journeys they go on were the big scary ones why why is fear such a driver in making our decisions and why does it seem like it's so hard to overcome because fear can be uh, experienced differently some people with fear it paralyzes them 
like you know that that response that we have like the fight flight uh, fight flight or or freeze we have that and some people will actually go head on into those fears but most people will not take that risk um and i think that why at the other side of that fear or that risk there is such a wonderful meaning to it is because we did something completely out of character with something that the reward of it is huge whether we got what we wanted or not just just the fact that that we took those risks is actually um something so powerful because there's a lot of energy into those those moments the moment that that we are actually doing something like that taking a risk there's a lot of energy that intensifies that moment and then ah it gets released you know and 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 that is where that that meaning uh comes is that you were able to experience that super intense feeling whether it was in your head or it was real and then you did it so it's you know like that stepping out of the comfort zone that's where the magic is it's that mm. That's beautiful. So well explained. You've mentioned um, a turning point. You mentioned, you know, 10, 11 years ago, something changed in your practice. Can you explain kind of how, how that process unfolded for you? Yes, definitely. I, as I mentioned, I lived in a few different places and, and I, was, as I was living this typical Western life, you know, working and in living in all of these different cities. And I was at the same time doing my practice. And I was finishing a contract uh, in Berlin, in Germany, and I felt like I didn't want to continue working there. I didn't feel like that was aligned to who I really was. And as I was thinking, you know, what do I do? Do I move to another country? Do I try to find work somewhere else? I said, actually, I could go to live in a retreat center and go deeper in my practice, go deeper into my understanding. And there's one place uh, in Northern California where they teach this style of, of practice that I was doing, especially this Tibetan yoga practice. So I, I was able to, to get in contact through my teacher in Argentina with them and then a few weeks later, I was there. I was living in, in this Tibetan Buddhist retreat center and I lived there for a few years. And it really changed a lot because it allowed me to go completely into the practice. I didn't have any distractions other than what I was doing there. And, and it wasn't that I was, you know, sitting in meditation every single moment of the day. There was a lot of work that we need to do, but because the intention of everyone there in the community that were 27 people in the community, we were all working with the same goal, using the same practices. So we were all there to, in a sense, better ourselves and to do something meaningful and to practice. Uh, and of course, the, the space was beautiful in the middle of the mountain full of redwoods uh, tree and um, like the experience was amazing so being able to 
to go deep without having you know to care about money or even in my case that my my role wasn't one of making food i like someone else's role in the community was making food i didn't have to worry about that so i didn't have to worry about shopping for groceries or going even to the garden and picking them up and i didn't have to worry about cooking so when when my days living there all that i needed to do was be and showing up to what i would having to do without having to think oh i need to go and prep for lunch i need to go make lunch i need to make this money or you know i was able to be completely focused on what i was doing and that gave me um a really amazing lens that then i was able to transfer into coming back into society where all of those things are still needing to be done wow if i if i make you king of the world right now and you assign every human like a two week break every year that they have to go and do something like that. What 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 would this place be like? Oh, I think that's that's a tough question because I think that different people need different things. Um, I, the one thing that I would say is a place that invites everyone to do what they want to do. So it's a place where there's no worries, you know, like kind of like everything is catered for them. And all that they need to do is to to choose how they want to do it. Because some people are ready to go to something like what I did, that is going to, in a sense, a retreat and being potentially silent and doing some practices. But a lot of people are not. Mm. A lot of people are there. Um, to actually deal with what they need to deal now and are not in a space where they can go on a retreat and, and practice meditation. So like sitting meditation. So a lot of times, you know, different people need different things. So it would be more of an allowing more than anything. Mm, I love that. I, I think it's so interesting with what you've been able to accomplish. I was never very good at this, um, where you, you experience so many different practices and you come back with Brian's practice. Like it's, it's not this, this one thing and you have to follow everything that this person says or that these people did, you know, 2,500 years ago, you just going out and having the experiences and creating what is best for you. And so I, I love that recommendation for people. How are you able to weave all these things together in a way that works? in your life well, i think that for me one of the things that through the years i realized is that most teachings most perspectives most traditions are talking about the same thing just in different words like at the root of everything it's it's mostly the same and what i what i understood for me was that some are talking more um from an esoteric standpoint or more intangible standpoint. And some people, as I said, are not, um, that's not the way that they are ready to, to see that, that life or their life. So they need something that is more grounded, more, you know, like that they can touch and do. So allowing ourselves to see that there's these different stages in our life and it's not better or worse it's just this is where we are what can we do what we are so some people you know when i work with them we focus a little bit more on the 
tangible on doing a little bit more exercise or on the food that they are eating or the way that their work is going. And with some people, we can, as well as doing that, we can touch a little bit more on on their more spiritual side of things that would be, in a sense, more of their their feelings and their intuition and their perspective with energy. And, and one is not better than the other. It's just different ways of dealing with the same thing. And I think that as, as I understand all of these different perspectives, I honor them. And I think that for me, that's really important. As, as you were saying, like I, I bring my understanding I don't teach things or I don't share things that I don't understand. Or if I share them, I say, I don't understand it, but I have heard this. And I think that it's really important for me to be able to, to share what I have learned and experienced and to be able to, to verbalize it in a way that makes sense for me. Because that's all that I can share, what makes sense for me and what I learned. And at the same time, making sure that, that I honor the, the lineage and the traditions that these practices came from. So anytime that, for example, I'm sharing about Tibetan Buddhism, um, even though sometimes I share it with my own language or with my own understanding, I say this is where this comes from. Or if I'm sharing something that comes from a perspective of um, family constellations, then that's where it comes from. I then make my own uh, practice or my own understanding of all of that and I put that together and share it because everything goes together. There's nothing that contradicts each other. I think that the contradictions are just misunderstandings. Mm. Wow. So you you mentioned wanting to share this message. What did that look like when you um, left Northern California? How, How did you decide to execute that? Well, I I didn't know exactly what I was going to do um, because when I went to California, I, I went for me. I didn't go there, you know, for for being able to to start teaching or sharing these things. I, I went for myself there, and whilst I was there, I started to, as part of my practice, I started to to teach um, Tibetan yoga and meditation, and I was already doing energy healing and all of those different practices. And when I left California. Um, I didn't have a plan, but I ended up through synchronicities, I ended up coming to New Zealand. And here I started to come across different people and I started to work with them and I started to to share some of these <laughs> these disciplines and these understandings that I had um, through um, one of my organizations, You Being You with my my friend Cameron Tukapua that we started to create these different courses, online courses and workshops in person and classes starting to, to share these different pathways that people can understand themselves through through different lenses, lenses of different traditions. And then uh, three years after that, I started Conscious Action um, because I I wanted to to do more. I wanted to create something more that was focused a little bit less on that spiritual side. So it was a little bit more open to to everyone that wasn't ready to see things from more of a spiritual lens, but 
to be able to to understand that their actions matter and to be able to to live a more aligned and meaningful life. So I just started to to share, and things just started to happen. It was everything really organically. I didn't plan them <laughs> really. Everything just started to happen. And one of the things that my my teacher used to say that really stuck with me was that what you love you share mm. just like just like parents love sharing the photos of their kids everywhere just like like teachers go and do that because they love to do that i love these practices i see for my life how beneficial they have been and i see how much a lot of people are struggling and they don't have these understandings so my aim is to to share them and to be able to share that which i love and unfortunately i'm able to to do that not everyone is able to what they are passionate about to be able to to do that for a living so i'm, I'm really fortunate that i'm able to to share and to explore all of these different perspectives and topics around what it means to to connect with ourselves and to others and to the earth and the universe because that is the main thing like the biggest problem that we have is this connection and because we are disconnected from ourselves and from others and our environment then we are actually behaving in ways that are not good for none of them including us yeah, wow. I, I definitely want to talk about conscious action. But before we do, you just used one of my favorite words, which is synchronicity. Can you tell the listener what synchronicity is and and maybe how how they can experience it but not understand what it is? Yes, definitely. I think that synchronicity is such a wonderful concept. Um, my understanding of it is that um, I'm just going to share some examples to, to be able to to explain what it is. I was, for example, when I moved to New York, I was walking down the street and I came across my dad's childhood best friend that he doesn't live in New York. He lives in Miami. He was just there in New York and working there. And um, as we synchronistically came across each other, then I was able to start working and on like, and do things from, from there. And it's those moments that it seems that everything came together so that things happen. Synchronicity is when we can actually notice that the universe is actually playing in favor of making things happen for you. When I, I, there's one thing that one of my teachers said many, many years ago when I told her about something that had happened, like, and I was, and I told her, like, oh, I had this synchronistically like thing happened and she said everything that happens every single moment of every single day is synchronicity you just are not aware of it you don't have enough awareness to understand how that is actually the case it's just the moments that we really notice it's like oh wow you know like all of this came together and that happened <laughs> that is what is like what synchronicity is is when we can notice it but i love that explanation that my teacher gave me and everything happens like that it's just that i'm not aware enough mm. wow 
I have noticed something with synchronicity, and maybe you can comment on this too, but I sure get a lot less synchronicity when I'm sitting around watching Netflix, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I get a lot more synchronicity in my life if I am putting out an intention and working towards something. I'm putting out a, you know, I, I would like more of this in my life, and I'm going to, I don't know what that looks like yet, but I'm going to go out and try to try to find it. Like, when we when we were talking about like starting a business, you know, we found the perfect person to make the logo and they got it right the first time and we fell in love with it and fell in love with the name, but none of that ever starts if we don't start having a conversation about starting a business. And so I, I just, I really love the term conscious action. I'm wondering, do, do you notice the same in your life? Is that unique to me or, or do we really need to put some, some energy and effort and intention in and we'll notice more of those in our lives? I think that's a few different things because there's different layers of how we experience life. And I think that this is one of the things that a lot of times I, I tell to some people, I watch Netflix. Like, you know, it's not that I'm, I'm not um, doing anything that is from this world. Um, and I enjoy that because as well, for example, you might be watching a movie or you might be watching a TV show and it's actually sharing something about something that is going on in your life. So you might get an understanding of something that is going in your life or that a friend of you is going in, like through in their lives just because a character in the movie is going through that. So I think that there's, there is something to say about those moments that we are not actively doing something. Um, but yes, I, I completely agree. The more that we put an intention and the more that we put our attention, the energy flows there. And it's much more um, easy to, to do that. For everyone that is listening that have heard of the secret, and as I'm sure that, that you have heard of it, that is, you know, like um, the law of attraction. The law of attraction, if you sit in, in your house every single day, don't do anything, that million dollar is not going to come if you're trying to manifest a million dollars. What? Like, Dang. It's, it's, <laughs> although, you know, like you could have a rich, like, parent or grandparent or something, and, and suddenly they pass away and you get it. So it's not that it's completely impossible, but it's improbable that without us doing, taking any action or creating or building any momentum for things to come to be manifested and to be materialized, then it's harder. Um, I think that there's, there's a, a fine line here because as well, I see it and I see this with some of my clients is that because they're so used to this idea of action and doing, they are also not allowing we need to allow as well. That is an important aspect of it. There's moments that that a lot of people are not used to just slowing down, taking a pause, like just stopping and not doing anything. And those moments are necessary as well. So the, the action is really good and the doing is really good to create momentum. And as well, the being open to receiving and to allow those things to come. Because if we're always moving and doing and doing and doing, we might be missing out on those things as well. Mm, this is such an area of struggle 
um, in, in my past, especially is understanding like, when is it time to push? I, I want something in life. And so I need to, you know, be a go-getter and go out and, and do it. But then also understand like, when, when is it enough? When do I surrender? When, when do I practice the art? I would call it an art of non-doing. How, how can we tell whether we're pushing too far on either, either side of that coin? I think that our body tells us. And this is one of the things that I'm super passionate about is getting people to reconnect with their bodies and with the, the inner resources that our body has. Our bodies are incredible. Our bodies tells us everything. Most of us are not listening. And most of us don't know how to listen to our bodies. And I think this for me is why I share a lot of times, a lot of practices that are about coming back to the body and allowing ourselves to feel. Because, you know, we have a lot of sayings in both in, in English and in other languages about, you know, following your heart, listen to your gut. And most people have no idea what that means because they have never actually experienced how does their gut talk? How does their heart tell them things? There's sometimes some moments in their lives that they felt something, but on a daily basis, most people are not attuned to their bodies. So I think that when we get more and more attuned to our bodies, we know when is the time for slowing down and when is the time for keep on doing and keep on pushing. Now, there is something that I think that it's important on that to notice uh, as well, and it's that for anyone that is listening um, that is a woman, it's different. Women have to be a little bit more, in my experience, a little bit more attuned to their bodies because they go through faster cycles, weekly cycles. Women go through longer, slower cycles of change. So women need to pay a little bit more attention because this modern society is not made up for that. This modern society is made up for that doing, 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 pushing, pushing, pushing. And it's not uh, a society that sees really well or invites everyone to slow down or to take a day off or things like that just to be, just to recharge or to restore their, 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 their bodies and their minds. So I think that it's a, a really interesting space to to be able to to notice and to notice, you know, how is my body feeling? What is my body telling me? And and that includes your mind, but there's different uh, voices in a sense or things to notice in the mind to be able to understand what is um, my own understanding or my inner voice and what's not. Mm. Wow. So you made such a great point that most people might go their entire life and, you know, maybe it was a sunset or maybe it was a child being born where there's finally like this stillness and this recognition of, of like pure joy or pure energy or consciousness or however you want to describe it. Can you like practically decide to, to kind of tell us like what, what, what is it like to move through life in such a conscious way? Like, like do you, for somebody that doesn't understand this, what, what kind of feelings do you have in a normal day to day Tuesday where most people would just be in like pure chaos? <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that, uh, this is one of the things that it's it's really hard to 
to verbalize because the, the feeling experience is a lot of times that's the challenge that it doesn't have as many words. One, one time, one of my teachers told me, this is why we have art. This is why we have poetry to be able to bring a closer understanding of what that experience is like. But to be able to, to answer uh, that question, I think that one of the main things that, that for me changed um, my experiencing of everyday life was when I was able to, to go through practices that, that focus on being present in the present, which meant that I started to experience time differently. So to, to compare it before, let's say, 15 years ago, the amount of experiencing that I had in one year is the same amount of experiencing that I have now in one day. Wow. So my day, a lot of times, um, and, and I have you know, no way of comparing it in a sense with other people because there's, we're in, like, you know, experiencing the same but differently. For me, one day has stretched so much. There's so much that I can experience in one day. Like I, I really comparing to how I was living before that wasn't present, I had the same amount of experiencing in one year and now in one day, which means that every day is so full of potential and possibilities. And every day I'm able to, to make the decisions that I want. This doesn't mean that circumstances are, you know, everything is perfect, but I'm able to to be aware of what is happening and how I'm feeling and to be able to to choose consciously how I want to to respond to life and and to be able to to be present in my body to be able to not react to what is happening and and to be able to to be kind with myself and to be kind to others and that doesn't mean that that always happens I'm still in a, in a journey this until the moment that I get enlightened like this this doesn't stop but comparing to my life before each day is it's a it's a wonderful gift that I'm able to to experience because I understand that the only moment that exists is this moment mm. and when I'm in this moment I am in it so I am here talking with you. I am here talking with you. I'm not daydreaming of anything else. I'm not pulled into my past of the things that I didn't do yesterday that I should have done or that what ifs. All of that is pointless. Like, and that doesn't mean that I don't ever think of the past. I think of the past just to learn from it. But I'm I'm not dwelling in, so I'm able to be here with you. I'm able to feel the energy of what is going on in my body, in my room now where I am. I'm able to to feel and to be attuned to you and to this moment. Man, I love that. That's fantastic. I've heard you ask this question on your fantastic podcast, and so I'm going to ask it right back at you. How do you define happiness? How do I define happiness? Um, that's a wonderful question. I think that happiness is a feeling. It's a feeling that I, I know for me, um, 
it makes my heart sing. That's that's how I can define it. And and happiness, I think that should be one of the the things that we are trying to to achieve every single moment in our lives. So I think that we have a lot of times values um, upside down, and the things that we are doing are not taking us to that place. And I I think that happiness as a feeling every single day and for some people that might look like contentment for some other people it might be more joyful for some people less joyful but to be able to to stay within that space of that positive feeling in in your heart and allowing that to to expand through your body that's such a wonderful way of of feeling that's great uh we talked a little bit about mind body connection and mindfulness um how can we also increase our mind-body connection? You mentioned yoga. Is there a particular type that you like to do and one that you recommend for most people? Yes. Well, I, I do my main practice of yoga is Tibetan yoga. It's called Kumnir, Tibetan yoga. Um, and that practice has been the one that resonated with me and has been one of my main practice for the last 17 years. But for that, any kind of movement practice and, and this is one of the things that I, that I want to say is that it can be playing basketball it can be playing football it can be playing um whatever it can be running any kind of physical activity that is done with full awareness that is enough it doesn't need to be a yogic practice yes the yogic practices are created especially the asanas or the postures or movements are created for a reason so that it moves energy in a way but for me the most important aspect of it is how much awareness are you bringing into that moment because there's people that are doing yoga that are less present than someone going for a run or someone playing basketball and for those that you know what i was talking before about uh, how my experience has changed in terms of time and how um, we can bring this for those that have played any sport and have been in what it's called the zone like if you have ever been in that zone that seems that everything slows down and you're able to be aware of everything that that is the space that is what i i invite people to to bring into into their daily practice of whatever that is whether that is more from a yoga spiritual lens or whether that is just a physical activity. If you bring this awareness into it and that presence into it, that's more than enough. Mm. That's great. It's, it's, it's interesting to look back on the times when you are in the flow state because it, it, everything does slow down and I mean, really any kind of movement, think about like the complexity of some of the things that you're doing and feeling and you're using all your senses and you look back and like, how is that even possible that I, that I hit that jump shot? I was, you know, double teamed and I, I took this pass, like the, the, the range of movement and proprioception. And it, it's just incredible when you look back and think what we can do as humans when we achieve that state. It's, it's really magical. Yes, definitely. Mm. So how do you work with people these days? If somebody wanted to work with you, um, what does that look like? Yeah, so I work with, with people either one-on-one. -on -one. I usually, when I'm working one-on-one -on -one with people, I, I work on three weeks, I, I, sorry, three months. I, I try to make sure that we have enough time to 
to get an understanding of what it is that we need to work through and how to get there because we're all different. So there's a period that is trying out different things to see what what works. Um, usually that would land more on, on the guidance slash coaching space. Then I work with people as well um, on one-on-one cases with healing. So I do distant healing uh, with different techniques. And, and then I teach meditation classes. I teach Tibetan yoga classes and I do that uh, online. And some moments I do more of them online, some moments I do less of them online because I, I prefer to do them in person here in New Zealand. I run events and, and as well with, with some people, they, they go through the online courses and, and that's the way that, that they start uh, to work with me. So it's, it's all of these different ways that, that I do that. And as well, I work with you know, businesses and organizations that that want to bring all of this to to their to their employees and to their teams and to be able to to bring well-being into their lives and into their work and, and trying to to connect all of these parts that that from my experience work can be that arena for that personal development. So those are all of the, the different ways really that that I work with, with people and, and I love all of them. That's great. Yeah, so many different options. You live in a part of the world where the, the lockdown was probably one of the very most severe. Did the pandemic really change your business model or were you already pretty well set up to continue doing online? I, I was already set up to to be able to do online offerings, but at the same time, of course, I do a lot of my events and my workshops and my classes in person. So all of that, of course, had to change with my clients that that were here. Like everything went online, which for some of them is not the same experience. Um, but a few of my clients, you know that that were in Europe or in, or in the States or in South America, like that was already online. So I was already set up for, for that. And it's just, you know, for me, it is what it is. Like the circumstance is what it is. There's nothing that I can do. Um, so I just need to flow with what is and to, to adapt and, and just go with it. That's great. What a great attitude and, and, you know, positivity. And, and again, like looking at the things that you can or can't control and, you know, it forced all of us to do different things, but you were able to kind of continue with the offerings you had. That's, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm always curious to ask other podcasters, what is your why for doing your podcast? What are you hoping to achieve from podcasting? That's a wonderful question. Thank you, Casey. Yes, I think I've for me, one of the things that I wanted to do was I wanted to, at the very beginning, I wanted to create content that I was able to to not have to create it in bite-sized portions, that I was able to actually go deep and have conversations and then putting those conversations out there for people to listen. So it was more of, I think that this is going to be a great conversation to have. And, and to talk to this person, to go deeper to their lives, their journeys, their understandings, and to be able to then, then share that with people. And part of it as well was because as I have been doing a lot of events here in New Zealand, all of the 
guest speakers that I had were people that were living here. So I wanted to to expand a little bit more and to be able to to have conversations with with some of those same people, but as well with some people that are in in different countries and different cities here, even in in New Zealand, that I wasn't able to to have them in person. And and I think that there's a lot of power in in sharing stories. In, and by sharing stories, a lot of people can can connect and can resonate and and feel inspired and moved to to take action in their lives. So, I think that for me, the podcast is a wonderful wonderful way to be able to to do that. I couldn't agree more. I, I always think it's funny when people reach out and ask me like, oh, how, how much money do you make podcasting? And it's like, I always have to laugh at them and say like, no, it's, it costs a lot to be able to do it, but it's an amazing experience. I mean, look at us at two opposite parts of the world, you know, communicating via speed of light. I would have never been able to meet you or fly out to you or anything. Like we're able to have this conversation and create this, you know, beautiful piece of information that can hopefully help a lot of people. I think it's, it's really, really an amazing uh, platform to be able to explore some of that stuff. I want to ask you one thing that you are very grateful for today. I'm grateful for this world. I'm grateful for this precious human life and i'm grateful for you for for having this this time with me this has been an amazing time i'm so grateful that you were able to come on and do this with us we we want to ask you also what is one simple tip that you would like somebody to take from this conversation and apply into their lives one simple tip is to take at least one day every minute to slow down to do nothing just be for one minute nothing more Everyone can do it. Everyone has one minute, just one minute a day. Sit down, close your eyes, take a few deep breaths. That's it. That's perfect. Uh, what a great tip and something we could all benefit from. Brian Bannerman, where would you like people to go to find you and connect with you and your work? I think the, the easiest place to, to find me is through Conscious Action. That is where I keep a little bit more updated so that's either on the website consciousaction.co.nz of New Zealand or on social media uh, Facebook, Instagram through the same Conscious Action NZ. Beautiful. We will link to all of that in the show notes. Brian, this has been such a wonderful conversation. I can just tell your spirit of, you know, giving and sharing and gratitude. It just, it really shines through. And I've taken a lot of really good practical tips from this conversation. I know our listeners will as well. Just slowing down a minute a day is just, it can be so powerful. Thank you so much for everything that you do and for all of your work and for sharing it with the world. We're really grateful for you and for taking the time to come be on our show today. It's been an absolute honor. Thank you, Casey. Thank you for taking the time and thank you for allowing me to, to share as well. So thank you for, for your work as well. Absolutely. It's been our pleasure. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio.